Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to yet again another fantastic indie creator interview. It is your Caped Crusader, Cody, and we are keeping it geekly with our good friend, Art Crumbs, uh, someone I've known for quite a while. First time we've ever had a a nice little formal, uh, I guess, conversation about uh, uh, God's Bane and everything in between. How are you doing, Art? Is it cool to call you Art, or do you prefer Crumbs? Yeah, or? Oh, it's fine. Anything's fine. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty, pretty <laughs> chill. I'm not thinking about the names or all the good stuff. Um, so as far as uh, like, like, what was the question? I forgot already. I was, I was, I was saying, uh, <laughs> basically, uh, we've known each other, um, a little bit, you know, through uh, global comics and everything, but this is our first mm -hmm. like formal introduction, like talking about God's Bane. Oh yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, welcome though. How are no. you doing tonight? Uh, how's your night going? Thanks. I'm pretty nervous, but it's been pretty awesome. <laughs> so I, I spent all spent all day, you know, kind of out getting about, kind of trying to like get the get the get the tears go away. But you know, I've been pretty good. and I'm excited, and I've I kind of kept this kind of like I don't want to feel under par and quiet for so long because that's not exactly the phrase I'm looking for. But I've definitely like been waiting to start this project. I've had this in my mind for about 12 years now, and so wow. now that I'm at the point. Where yeah now i'm at the point where i can finally start the pages and like make the serious commitment to it it's sort of like it still feels really jittery like it still feels like exciting and new mm -hmm. and, and nervous nerve-wracking even though it's been 12 years i'm so excited <laughs> you, uh, to, like <laughs> you're not only the writer but you're also the artist right mm -hmm. yeah i do i do pretty much all of it by myself i do have like a copy editor that goes over with my script and my dialogue with me to kind of make sure everything looks good there's no crazy plot holes mm -hmm. um but for the most part yeah other than other than her i'm pretty much by myself so what what were your first steps into creating manga did you do any sort of like indie comics or anything beforehand or did you just jump straight into manga and and what was some mm -hmm. of your inspiration into going that route Oh man, so if I'm gonna go, if I'm gonna technically talk about the beginning, uh, I actually was studying animation first. I studied animation for two years um, at a community college in Colorado, and at the time, I had to make some dummy characters to you know practice animation with. I created just a sort of two-tailed box creature. Of course, obviously, he looked really different then, and and then I had Coke my bipedal character to practice animating with and I was kind of like jokingly drawing them together and like my class was really small it was like maybe four of us in the graduating class mm -hmm. and my teacher asked me how do they know each other I don't know I just draw them together because you asked me to <laughs> so I was like okay let's figure this out and so I, I kind of like kept drawing them together for fun and then uh I transferred to Ringling College of Art and Design mm -hmm. uh, to get my illustration degree. So I was focusing more on just general illustration. I didn't know what to do with it. And my primary professor at Ringling was Gary Parker, who's basically one of the primary artists on Garfield for the last three years. And That's he does really comic. Cool. Yeah, I thought about doing comics since you have an animation and background. And at first I was like, no, <laughs> I don't think I want to do comics. It doesn't sound very fun. Like I was still in my animation thing, so I wasn't yeah. sure what I wanted to do. But he got me into comics. And then in 2018, um, I interned uh, at Tokyo Pop in Los Angeles. And so I, that was sort of the moment where I was like, you know what? Like manga is a thing for me. I kind of liked comics. I kind of liked animation. I just love storytelling. So what is Tokyo so Pop? Point, what is Tokyo Pop? Yeah. 
Okay Pop is a publisher. It's one of the older publishers in the United States. They're also stationed out in Germany, um, but they do a lot of manga. They do a lot of like romance and love manga. Okay. They have like an international women of manga line. They have a line. So they do. It's a. It's a very. It's. It's an older manga publisher. Okay. <laughs> They've been here. You know, I had while. no idea when you said that. I was like, okay. Uh, so th no, that's cool though. That that would definitely uh, be something that would push you into that direction. How did you get involved with mm -hmm. them? Like jumping from, uh, I guess, like comics and that sort of uh, animation to an actual manga publishing mm -hmm. so what i did um uh, is i is they had created an app a little bit a, a couple years ago actually more than a couple years ago um and i was looking for places to upload um i was not really satisfied with some of the other um sort of places you can upload comics like tapas or webtoons i wasn't really satisfied with any of that so i was looking for the locations and it's, it's kind of funny at the same time i found global comics there was, a, there was sort of like a beta going on so i joined the global comics discord was talking with them a little bit this was back in 2000 yeah to early 2018. okay so i was kind of expanding and i also saw pop like just like their app so i went ahead and uploaded it um at the time it was called uh nor n-a-o-r so it was a different series back then i was kind of just testing it out um and i got featured it did so well and i got featured on, on their blog and during their blog one of the questions they asked me was, hey, like, what would you like to do? And I said, well, I would love to do an internship at a publisher. And a while after that, I got a email saying, hey, would you like to intern with us? And I was <laughs> oh, like, dude. Uh, yeah, so that sounds great. So so I went ahead and you know, did my internship with them. It was about four months and it was it was more like a non-artist side. So I got to see editorial work. I got to see mm -hmm. PR and marketing and I got to learn about all that good stuff that kind of goes on like behind the scenes like after the art stuff so that was very educational very enlightening um i also got to meet wacom and graphicsly wacom obviously like the drawing tablets graphicsly is one of the major distributors for clip studio okay. and i ended up becoming sort of like sort of partnered with both i was a resident for both wacom and graphicsly at san diego comic-con in 2018 wow and yeah, so I was actually at the booth <laughs> and being paid to be there. No big it was deal, a wild, you know? <laughs> It was like a wild trip from going from like middle of farmland Dakota in early 2018 to suddenly in the middle of LA doing an internship for a publisher. Yeah, yeah that is so cool. It's just an absolutely wild journey. So through them, I was able to to network, um, meet a lot of other published people at other publishers. And I ended up going back to South Dakota for a while. And while I was there, I was like man i really wish maybe i should restart this manga and like actually i'm surrounded by it. so much so, corn get me out of here <laughs> i know so i spent like about two or three years like rewriting it trying new artwork and in the middle of that time um the strong uh, jump tessica um contest happened back in 2020 so i was like you know what i'm gonna do this and it was about a 49 page comic uh, well, manga called Onami, which is about Pone, who is another character from the this world that I have that God's been exists in. And so it was sort of like my trial period to see if I could even like really commit to a manga and like get it done, what it mm -hmm. what it was actually like. And so I posted that little comics first, and it still still to this day doing really well. I don't know how, I don't know where That's people awesome. are finding it. I don't share the link anywhere anymore. <laughs> it's like two years old now, but people are still reading it. Um, so that yeah, has uh, direct ties to uh, Godsbane, though? Yeah, it's actually in the same world. Uh, it's actually part of the original creation myth lore um, to the world that made that Godsbane is currently. Oh, no, no, that is awesome. Real quick, we have uh, Oblivio over on Twitch stopping in to say hi. And May Apple Magazine over on YouTube throwing in some hard eyes and saying, yo. 
Hey, Mayapple, how you doing? <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Mayapple was awesome. Uh, I love that interview with the Zenco. Uh, it's such an awesome time, too. Uh, did you do uh, any work with uh, Mayapple at all? Um, I have kind of spoken with them a little bit. I actually did a little bit of editorial work with with Mayapple, uh, Zenko specifically. She was like, helped give me a bunch of feedback after I did the pages that I did last year. Was sort of like my trial period. I sent them off to her. We did a little bit of editorial work, kind of saying, "Hey, I would change this. I would fix this. I would suggest this." So definitely, I've done a little bit of work with them, trying to figure out where I wanted the pages to go, and it was mm -hmm. really beneficial just to hear that that feedback because you get creating into a void. Kind of if, when you work alone like i do everything by yourself it's really easy to just get stuck in like a little bubble and well because you don't have anyone really bounce ideas off of either right you're just bouncing mm -hmm. them off yourself right i have a few beta readers that's really it they're not not um creators like i am so it's kind of hard for them to give me feedback they're more just there to give me feedback on what how they feel whatever confusing but to have someone who actually manga the magazine together that feedback i feel is really really valuable mm -hmm. to, to have at least someone who can give you that type of feedback so being featured you know having something pop off in shonen jump you know what was the next step for you you know you you seen that this was working it was making some moves uh when did you actually start beginning you know making the first pages of chapter one um so the first pages for chapter one for the current version of god's bane didn't actually start happening until january of this year um so i was so right after of uh, the it was doing well um i started working on the next pages and at the time i called it but i was like well i want to put a test up i want to see how how it does on global comics and see if there's actually interest for it so i put a whole bunch of pages together i think it was about oh god i trying to remember how many pages it was it was about maybe 13 15 pages um and so i got a bunch of pages done um and then i uploaded it on global comics i think i had three updates <laughs> Three, three total updates and it did really well. it did so well in fact that um at the end of the year for global comics we do like a like a best of yeah for the whole platform there were a just shy of 1800 comics um mine ranked number five. Oh, let's go yeah that is pretty <laughs> awesome yeah and that was just the test to godsbane i literally post i posted the last update or it was called Ghost Child at the time. I um, The last update was posted about the beginning of July, and I never updated it after that. Mm -hmm. I just was posting it, like testing out how I want to market it, trying to figure out what my demographics are, what my audience is. So I kind of spent that year or so kind of figuring out where I wanted to go, see if there was any interest in it. And obviously there is, since it mm -hmm. did so well. So I kind of, so after it did pretty well, you know, <laughs> getting number five i was like yeah let's do this and so in january i went ahead and started making um this new round of pages kind of trying to build that that buffer up yeah, <laughs> so that yeah. came time to release it uh we were ready i actually had to push it back a little bit because um this little uh cat over here got sick oh no and so I, 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 I lost a couple of work time trying to get her better um so i pushed it back just a few more weeks but i'm actually really glad that i did because it worked out really well for this for this interview <laughs> so i don't mind at all i mean it, it is what it is so yeah yeah we have uh, El uh crudo over on youtube stopping and say what up what up man welcome 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 currently running a <laughs> campaign on indiegogo so i hope that's going good to you uh he says it looks great uh by the way congrats yeah i love the art in this so when you uh you you went to uh, a couple schools for art did you were you like was that something you wanted to do did you grow up like you know doing art and loving it or was it something you kind of no. just found along the way 
I kind of found them. So initially, um, I well, I was in band a lot as a kid. I played like I was in like seven different bands. I played six or seven different instruments. Um, and so, and music was something I originally loved. And during my senior high school, I was like, nah, that's not for me. So I went into science. Like I volunteered at zoos, believe it or not, while I was in high school. Um, I also volunteered at a wolf sanctuary shortly after I graduated high school. So going into animal care was something that I really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had some medical issues um, within the first semester of college. And I was like, well, with these medical issues, I think it would be really hard for me to like, give the best care that I could to these animals I would love to work with. And so I wanted to find something else. Um, and it was pretty sudden. And then I took like, like, you know, like those, like, um, those surveys they'll give you and say, Hey, let's see what you're good at. Let's see what yeah, you're, yeah, what yeah. you're <laughs> in. And a was on there. Uh, like I drew a little bit, like I really liked anime. I really liked manga, but I never mm-hmm. like thought about becoming an artist myself. In fact, I almost failed my art class in high school. So <laughs> art was not something <laughs> that I, I know, right? Art wasn't something that I was like. I want to be an artist. I, like, I couldn't you know? tell. Like your art is amazing. So there's no, like I, you, if you would have told me that, school. I would have never guessed. It's the art school and the many days of lost sleep. And so I switched into animation. Well, uh, I feel silly admitting this, but like what was the deal for me was I saw James Cameron's Avatar mm-hmm. that um, that year, and I was like, I want to be an animator. That's so cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know what it was about that, but that like sealed the deal for me. So, you like, see, he's like going off on these uh these really like rampages. He's like f the fans if they don't <laughs> like the second one. It's like James, chill, bro. It's not even out. I know, right? Yeah, I'm like, can we just see the movie, please, <laughs> please? Yeah, I want to see the thing. I'm hoping that it lives up to the. You know, we've waited what, over ten years for the next. Yeah, one? I think that's probably what it is. Is like just how long it's been in production. It ha- I'm sure that has yeah. to take a toll definitely the anticipation of the mm-hmm. whole thing so but that kind of is what encouraged me um and so i went through well and at the time <laughs> my brain was like oh i don't need to know how to draw for animation because like that's how naive i was about, <laughs> about the whole like animation mm-hmm. art thing and of course i had a very rude awakening um uh, once i entered entered my animation so i got my two-year degree um that was at ames community college uh in colorado oh that was 2010 to 2012 <laughs> so i'm gonna date myself a little bit um and then after that i was like well i still want to be able to to do some form of animation but animation at that time um like early 2000, 2010s was going more towards the 3d and i didn't i was not good at maya i was not good at maya. i was not good at any of the 3d modeling software it was very tedious and very exhausting and it made me just want to cry all the time <laughs> and so i was like well let me go learn how to draw so i then i transferred to ringling which is in sarasota florida um and i was learning how to draw but i well it's interesting is i had like um the animator's perspective of mm-hmm. drawing and storytelling um very different from what i think the rest of my illustration classmates were you know in, in illustration it, what the feel like i was it focused more on like um tech like technical skill raw skill yeah. uh, anatomy versus when you study like hand-drawn animation it's like pose and gesture and it's more it's, abstract is not the word i'm looking for but it, they don't focus so much on like the nitty-gritty perfection of it it's like let's get the feel for this let's get the emotions right and that that was more work, the concept or what okay. i was interested in and my like i said my primary like uh, teacher at Ringling was Gary Barker, who's been working on Garfield for 30 some years now. <laughs> um, he's one of my one of my teachers, and uh, actually, the first project 
Oh my goodness. I don't know if you're okay with me saying this. Um, I did really bad on the first project. Like the first project we had to do was draw a clown using white and uh, black marker or mm -hmm. white and black colored pencil on gray paper. I broke down crying because I hate clowns so much. <laughs> I was so stressed. I think I got like a C on it. I did not do very good at all on the project. I did okay on the second one. And then when we got to the eighth project, he's like, hey, like you did a lot better with this one. Um, I know, I know you have a background in storytelling. I heard about doing comics. And I feel really bad because I'm like, I'm not even, I told the Garfield guy this. No, comics are dumb. <laughs> Dang! What did he say? He just smiled. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure he was probably like, "What is wrong with this person?" Um, but he just kind of smiled and and he's like, "American Mind. <laughs> and this semester, I was like, "Man, comics are awesome. Comics are great. Like, I want to do this." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, what what flipped that switch for you? Um, I think it was just realizing that animation and comics and manga, for the most part, are all the same thing, just different forms of the same thing. And animation, mm -hmm. it's basically generally the same, the same size. And then in comics, you're still drawing, you're still having to think about, you know, all the visual narrative principles, things like, you know, like camera angle, camera movements, like, you know, you're still having to think about all of those things. but every panel or every frame is just a different size and they're all like arranged together they're arranged differently on the page so having realized with like that when that connection happened for me i went they're the same thing i just have to draw that. <laughs> let's do that instead <laughs> so it was it was like it just, i don't want to say like it felt easier being able to do like comics instead but there was just something plus i really loved anime i really loved manga mm -hmm. And that's sort of what got me interested in art in the first place. And so realizing that, hey, I can do this other thing that I really love and like not trust so much about having to draw 24 to 30 frames a second. Let's do that. And I can still do storytelling. Is that what you had cool. to do with the uh, animating is like draw those frames? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, that just sounds like mm -hmm. a nightmare. I remember, uh, is it the, the cell shading or, or the, the, the way they used to do the Disney movies way back in the 70s where they would paint mm -hmm. them? Like the Little Mermaid, yeah, I think yeah. they painted, hand painted uh, like a million bubbles. Like it was something mm -hmm. like, it seems like so yeah. extreme. It is, it is really extreme. And that was, that was the animation that I learned when I was starting in 2D is you have like, you have your lines, you have your, your layouts, backgrounds, and then you have like all of your individual color layers underneath. When I was at Ames for my, sort of like my internship, like right before graduation, I did like about a four and a half minute animation with a team of, I think it was five or six people, and we didn't finish it. We only had a, a short period to finish it. We, we couldn't get it done. It's just so much work. And I still animate every now and then. Um, it's just kind of fun, something I do to, like, ironically, I do it to de-stress. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know why my brain works that way, but but I'll do, like, a, like a frame here, a frame there. Um, that's basically what it is. I love to animate in Clip Studio. Um, it has a really good sort of, like, cell-based style animation if you wanted to, the way that you can structure it. Um, excuse me. <clears throat> um, so I decided to sort of keep my animation practice. Like I still do it every once in a while mm -hmm. um, for fun. But it's it's basically the same process. You have the frame, the panel, and you do your line art. And then for me, I don't color. I have my tones and flats, and you know, and then the background. Um, and then you just have your text visual instead of you know um, auditorial. Do you do uh, that word Do you do uh, the art uh, traditionally, or is it all digital? It, so I'm sorry. <laughs> um, the art is all digital. I used to be traditional based, but I was going through so much paper and so many pens. <laughs> I used um, 
I actually use a brush when I did my mark uh, traditionally before. So I was like, no, like, I don't like having to buy all this ink. I don't like having to buy all this. And it was expensive paper. Deleter paper is not cheap. It's a blue mm -hmm. line paper. Um, it has to be supported. Not cheap. So I was like, well, I don't want to do this anymore. So I was looking for a different software to use. Photoshop because I had a really hard time just getting the ink lines that I wanted, which is why I was traditional. Um, and someone introduced me to Manga Studio. Back then it was still called Manga Studio when Smith Micro owned it. Um, so like, yeah, I'm going to try this. And then like I, like I used it on their computer and I was sold. I was like instantly, what is this? I have to have it like <laughs> right now. And so I bought it in 2017. And then um, I upgraded to Eclipse Studio once it, once it was updated. I've been using it ever since. And I wish I'd started sooner with it. It just makes my life so much easier. So <laughs> what, like what does it do? So, so for me, as like to say, to explain to someone who may use something else, um, it has the big thing for me is a story feature. So think of it as if you're, if anyone's familiar with the design, it's sort of like you have like a story file management system where you can open up a file and you pages and then if you want to you can click on any of those pages open it up and work on the the spreads or individual pages individually and then it updates like the master file that sounds amazing also, yeah oh god so much easier you can batch export you can batch process um it's sort of like a weird blend between like drawing software and it's not as good as InDesign, but like the sort of efficiency that you can mm -hmm. have through InDesign to edit things quickly is just really awesome. And then the other thing is vectors. Um, Clip Studio has vector lines um, and then the screen tone pool is amazing. You can set the frequency, <laughs> the sort of like uh, how many dots appear within a certain area. You can set the density, how big the dots are, or mm -hmm. how dark the value is. Um, and you can edit it at any time and you, any, any layer, any image can become a screen tone through Clip Studio. That's awesome. So, so it sounds like yeah, it just cuts like so much of that legwork out for you. It does. It cuts out so much of the process, but it also makes it really easy to edit. So in manga, the biggest problem that, that I'm worried about when it comes to printing, when I'm ready for that, is that sort of like more, and what that is, is it, it's a resolution issue with the screen tone itself. And what, what will happen sometimes is you'll see like a strange checker pattern mm -hmm. or really strange patterns formed within screen tones. And that's usually a resolution issue um, on the screens. And sometimes it happens in print as well. So that's you know, kind of the issue I worry about. So. I'm really happy you just explained that because I was going through <laughs> uh, a webcomic with someone uh, and mm -hmm. they were sending me the files and that was happening. Like we we were like, oh, yeah. I, I kept pulling it up and I'm like, dude, it's almost like it's mm -hmm. a PNG and the background's like invisible. Like, like what's causing this? Mm -hmm. And they're like, I don't that's know. It looks fine on my end. And I'm like, dude, like I'm losing my mind. Like, so it's now, now, <laughs> I, now I know like, hey, check your resolution. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's so when you, if you're going to post digitally, um, I mean, you still can post with the screen tone, but here's the other part that's called Clip Studio. The layer that you make the screen tone on, you can actually turn the, the screen effect on and off. So if you want it to just be solid grays or a gradient, if you have a, a gradient in there instead, mm -hmm. you can actually just turn that dot dot pattern off and it will just become a solid image. Oh, I got so, you. And that's yeah, so that's what's usually recommended for online posting because, I mean, if you think about it, everyone has a different screen resolution, um, different sizes, and so every, your image is going to be resized in all sorts of different ways depending mm -hmm. on what the, what, what the device is. And so honestly, what I prefer to do is when I upload it, I turn all the tone effects off um, so that way they're just whatever shades, whatever shades of gray instead. That way I don't run into that problem. 
And then when I go to print, of course, I'm going to have to do some practice prints just to make sure. But then mm -hmm. say, say I get a couple pages that have issues. I can easily go into Clip Studio and just modify it slightly and then done. I don't have to redraw the screen. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, it's slightly and then it's done. No, that sounds <laughs> so amazing. So, I mean, we, mm -hmm. we've done a good job of filling the dots of you like in your art. But like, what about you as a writer? Since you're the <laughs> artist and the writer for this, you know, where does oh. uh, your writing experience come from? Uh, so I learned about storytelling actually as a band player. Uh, when I was in high school, well, middle school and high, inter, actually intermediate, middle and high school, I had the same band director. He taught band for all the schools. And what we would do is he was Mr. Crumb. Um, he's like my hero because <laughs> you know this you know learning storytelling for me was was an audio experience. Mm -hmm. So what we would do is whenever we got a new set of songs, um, he would have us listen to it, and then he'd be like, "All right, take notes. You know, to yourself, what are you feeling? What are you thinking? What are you?" And what we would do is we would take all different songs that we had and we'd create a story together as well as a band. A band really was cool. about 100 people. Um, and just for, just FYI, I was a piccolo player. <laughs> um, I was piccolo if, if, you know, as like my primary, but I mm -hmm. could also tattoo because not every song has a piccolo line. Um, they're sort of one of those like, extra instruments. Um, <laughs> you, only need, well, you only need one for about every 100 people. They can be really powerful. Um, so, but yeah, so that's kind of how I learned about storytelling was through sound. And what I, you know, I don't know if you've ever experienced the flow state, but like when you get so absorbed into what you're doing, like it was weird. Like I felt like myself physically syncing up to the music I was mm -hmm. playing. And you just start vibing. I, I get it. Yeah. You get so lost in it. You get you, like, you just sync with it. And so then when I went into animation, um, I kind of felt like I already had an understanding of storytelling and pacing timing that sort of thing but actually learning about actual writing and storytelling itself has been a little bit of a journey um for me as a writer i like to use kishoten kits um mm -hmm. which is uh sort of like the eastern i don't know i'm not sure if it's exclusive to japan i'm gonna be completely honest but it's a four-part <sighs> act versus the western three-part act um so i prefer to use that method and then i pair that up um with there's like there's like a four-part act you know, in you know, Western version as well, but it breaks the story down into four parts. You've got your introduction, your development, your climax, or or your culture twist as well, and then the resolution. Mm -hmm. And what I like about Kishoten Kiss is it doesn't necessarily have to be a problem. Like the climax doesn't have to be this crazy huge conflict. It's just a surprise. Yeah. Twist. It's unexpected. That's all it is. It doesn't have to be like you hero and vampire fighting in this crazy dramatic meeting blah, blah, blah. like it doesn't have to be that it could just be surprise something happens mm -hmm. and then after that it's just the result it doesn't have to solve the problem it's just the result I and like i that. loved i love that and i love ghost stories i love mythology i love mysteries i love things that really make me think and engage and i'm like I really like I loved like the Nancy Drew books growing up like I love Sherlock Holmes I love mm -hmm. reading all this different mythology and that's what I wanted to create in a story as well I love ghost stories and like yokai were like the coolest thing to me when I was growing up yeah. <laughs> I was like I was like that weirdo kid that was always reading like ghost stories and um <laughs> like the stories you tell like the stories you tell in the dark or whatever yeah. like oh I yeah those were so good um but I, I forgot what they're called but it always has like the really awesome artwork in it like the yeah, really creepy uh, um i, I know which one you're talking about it's almost it's like stuck on the tip of my tongue. Are, like creepier 
Yeah, uh, it's the stories to tell in the dark, I think. I don't know. I don't know. I remember there were like in you can get them as a kid, and some of those stories like scared the crap out of me. It's like, dude, I should not be reading this as a kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we like to do because like, we had a campfire growing up, and so mm-hmm. we would like like my brothers and I would sit around the campfire, like literally the stories. And there were some that I was like, okay, this is too much. Like I'm gonna skip this one because it'll scare my younger brothers, and so <laughs> we're not gonna do this one. Or, or heck, forget them. It's gonna scare me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So that's kind of where I got my interest for storytelling. The storytelling that I try to do is I try to have the air of mystery. It's kind of coming back to full circle of the gods, Bane. That's kind of the the basic of the story here is it's a combination of mythology, there's lore, there's world building. And then there's a murder mystery throughout the whole core of the story as well, kind of underneath everything that goes goes on with with Aro's uh, Amat Coco. It's also uh, set in uh, the 1800s as well, right? Yeah, it started in the late 1800s. Uh, so, um, there's the re- and it's also set in sort of like um, Oceania, sort of like on the left side, sort of like between Australia um, and like Java, Sumatra, the Timor Sea area. Sort of roughly where it's placed, if it were to be a real be a real location. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as like, and I wanted there to be, I wanted it to be a realistic, but there's a group of soldiers moving onto the island, so it's somewhat also of a, of a history piece. There's a little bit of um, like history going on as well, um, but I wanted to pick a time where there was like at least fantastical, but I wanted it to be said the real world. And so I'm like, well, when in the real world is there not really a lot of technology going on that the fact yeah. that the soldiers could use against them or whatever? And I'm like that's a good time to do that. When is there a lot of exploration in this time of world or this time during the world? And that's about when that was the late 1800s. So I use a lot of inspiration for, you know, those sorts of events. Um, and it's kind of a similar theme, but that's not the main theme of the story. That's sort of like a background mm-hmm. as what's going on. So I don't really focus on that too much. I, I, re- mm-hmm. I really love how deep the world building is, though. It just seems so intricate and, and just immersive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, really, there is actually one main reason why I picked specifically the year. 91 and this will be sort of like a little trivia thing just um kind of like for fun uh, this isn't too big a spoiler so in the year 1891 in that part of the world there were two eclipses there was a lunar eclipse and a solar eclipse and the actual times and dates of the eclipses that really happened are also in my manga oh that so is that's- <laughs> awesome yeah so i had to look through the years so where are these from but the eclipses themselves are a major part of the actual story plot mm-hmm. line. And I did have to shift the dates just a little bit um, because of like some time sensitivity within the manga. I'm like, I can't wait that long. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, they line up pretty well. And I think it's the final, the final eclipse lines up almost exactly on the same day. No, that is um, so cool. So, yeah, like I, I pay attention to that. I mean, like I've been writing this story for 12 years. And so I've, I've had that time through all the different versions I've created to do the research, look at time period, like mm-hmm. what's there a close what sort of like what was the world like back then what kind of animals were not extinct yet i love <laughs> in the that animal designs of- too thank you yeah um i really coco is coco was fun <laughs> coco yeah, was he was usually a kiwi um and i was like well i don't want to be a kiwi anymore because kiwis are kind of like regionally exclusive mm-hmm. um but there's a bird called a rail it also exists in that region of the world and so that's kind of what that's what coco is based on kind of more more rail but i I'm, I'm trying to give him his original kiwi look with some of the coloring that he has and then Auk was initially based off of um a, a wolf he looks more like a fox um so he's 
now. Well, it's like a, it's almost <laughs> like a snake too, like the way uh, its tongue. It, it, what's uh, is that actually mm -hmm. based off of like some sort of mythological god or what was the, the um, inspiration? So initially, Aku was just going to be he was just going to be a standard animal. He wasn't going to be a spirit. He wasn't going to have anything special about him. Um, and then as I was reading the story, I was trying to I was struggling to figure out a, a reason why he would have access to magic, why he would have access to any of that. Um, and so I just kind of made him into a spirit instead. And I was talking with a friend about feedback for his side, and they're like, "Why are you limiting yourself to the realistic version of this animal? When he's a spirit, you can literally do whatever you want." <laughs> I really like um, the, the snake look to it too. It looked really, really like gruesome almost. Yeah, he's yeah. Um, Auk is uh, he's really spicy. Look, he's really spicy in his personality. He's very um, I don't want to say distant. He's very grumpy. He's like he's the if he were a human, he'd be the old man spraying people to get off his lawn. So um, that's the is, kind that, of is that like a, a hint that he might? Is that a hint that he might not have be the one that was the murderer? I don't know. What do you think? I, I, uh, I at first I'm I thought so, but the way you're wording that, I think. Ooh. Yeah, when, when so, my first initial uh, read of it, I'm like, you know, I'm like, dude, you know, this dude is a POS. And then, like, you're like, oh, he's just a grumpy old guy. I'm like, okay, well, wait a minute. I'm going to say he denies it. I'm going to say Ock does deny it. He does deny that he is the murderer. However, both Aros and Toko are very firm in their beliefs that mm -hmm. it was. And as we go through the story, you'll, you'll get to see the evidence. You know, there's there's paw prints and there's fur that looks that's the same color. And Ock was known to actually, Aros actually came upon Ock and Ballet in a meeting. So that was, and then Aros attacked Ock. And then after some point after they were, they all dispersed, Ballet was found dead later. And so that's why there's a little uh, uncertainty in some people's minds. Well, hey, well, like, was it really Auk? But since Auk was there, could it have been him? Or could it have been some other spirit that happened to catch Fale when she was already weak and vulnerable? There's a, there's a large mystery around who was around who actually was there. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited. So you will get to find out the answer. I don't like leave a cliffhanger, mm -hmm. but I believe it's it's like it's much later in the story, kind of closer to the end, of course, where I do give you the answer. But I, hope, I do give hints all throughout the story. Um, that's why I wanted to copy copy it to kind of help me. I dropped hints and false hints all throughout the story. Ooh, so false hints are always good too. <laughs> Oh yeah, but yeah, Coco, Coco, and Aros are definitely very certain. Hey, Ock did it. I saw him there. It has to be him. Um, but people like Fale's mother, for example, her name is Nazak. I don't believe you met her yet. Um, she doubts it. She doesn't believe that Ock did it. And then, um, <laughs> well, you already know this. You've read the script. But Fale herself says that it was not him. But so, or go ahead. No, no, I was going to say Fale, Fale doesn't believe it was him, but she also has some doubt because shape-shifting is very normal in this world. Mm -hmm. So that, that's why there, there's some sort of, un, there's some form of uncertainty because there is so much magic, anything is possible. She kind of has her own doubts. Like maybe, maybe it really was him. Maybe it, maybe, because I don't want to give away too much, um, but even Fale herself isn't sure who killed her. Yeah. <laughs> So I mean, we see we see a really okay. interesting uh, turmoil happen. Uh, our uh, protagonist is put in a, a rock and a hard place as a healer. Uh, he's not meant to aid like the evil uh, beings trying to take souls from this world, but he's pretty much forced to do so if he wants to bring back someone he loves. I think that I thought that was a really mm -hmm. interesting position to put him in. Like, why force him to go through mm -hmm. that? So Amont is trying to destroy the island through you know, 
like the history of the island, his goal ultimately isn't to destroy the world, it's just to destroy their particular island um, and put it back to the way that it was before. So when what humans were created... Was this beef? Okay, so I, I was just about to get into that. So, <laughs> so in, in, in Onami, which is why I learned first, um, in Onami you learn that humans were created as a gift, as an offering to the gods. Mm-hmm. Um, they were created in this in, a, in the same form. Amat was offended by this. He's like, that's supposed to be a, like a representation of me? Who, like, what is wrong with you? And so um, Amat is kind of offended that he, he doesn't like the gods of of life anyway um he's a god of darkness of the void he wants nothing to exist at all like he doesn't he wants to be by himself he's very selfish in that mm-hmm. regard and so anything that just puts more stuff on his plate that he that he doesn't want to have to deal with and so he just resents everything in general and when he was banished from the heavens he had to live on earth and so he has humans everywhere, and so he's even more angry about it. Um, <laughs> to kind of make the Lord simplified, he ended up, uh, Amon ended up um, taking away the human's uh, immortality. And so he was forced into this position that he has now, where he's also a, cur- a courier of souls that die to to Rojun, just like the land of the gods of the dead. Sort of like their version of Hades, you know, the, under, the underworld. Um, he has to take them there so that they can do the trial and reincarnation process. And he's forced to do this So he's very resentful of the yeah. fact that he has to do this. Um, so he's very... So he's been, like, plotting his revenge forever. Um, and he sees an opportunity as a healer. And there's only a few healers that exist. There's only about four or five healers in this in the world of Noble. Um, and so he's been slowly trying to... Their job is to protect the humans from him. And so mm-hmm. he's been trying to figure out a way to get rid of them. What a better way to get rid of them than to make them serve you and then corrupt them, right? So now that Fale is gone, that's one less healer in the world. Well, how can I get rid of another one? Let's 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 corrupt Aros and make him serve me. And I'm sure as you guys have read, Amat is planning something with Coco. Mm-hmm. And so Coco is another healer. He's sort of a, a temporary healer. He took over after Fale. He was her student. And after she died, he wasn't able to continue his education. So now he's kind of stuck as a student and no one can sort of continue his education. And another healer we'll learn about is Coco, which is Aros's student. Okay. And so kind of so what, Ar- what Amat has basically done is he's slowly taking apart this group of healers that are supposed to defend the island against him. And he's sort of going to be picking them off one mm. by one as we go no, through I the like story that. in the long run. Yeah. No, no Hokuway like is very against what Aros does. Hokuway is the very, he's like, he's like the antithesis of Aros. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> I'm not going to serve Amat. I'm not going to do this. Like, I'm going to do the right thing. Like, I'm going to do the good thing. Like, that's that's who Hokuway is. Mm-hmm. So you'll kind of see as we go through the story, Aros and Hokuway kind of taking their different paths. Um, Aros being like, oh, well, like, I wish I wish I could do what, what Hokuway does, you know, being good and, like, that's what I should be. And then yeah. Hokuway is like, Aros and goes, that's not what I'm supposed to be. <laughs> so I'm not going to do that. Um, so you'll see a very interesting split. And then Coco, he's so adamant about being Um, Kind of more or less, you'll kind of see Coco slowly go into this downward spiral as Amat and Aros start messing with him. Oh. As 
that's why Argos gave the vial to Coco. Is it contains yeah. oxalic? He knows how desperate Coco is to get that revenge. So you'll and, yeah, and he little... wants to, he he wants one favor, and Coco doesn't even care what that favor is. Oh, it'll, and it'll bite Coco later. Uh, Aros does call on that favor later. Um, and uh, Immortal gets Coco in a lot of trouble. <laughs> so I think uh, right now, good opportunity. Let's go ahead and uh, let's go through chapter one. We actually yeah, have the opportunity it. to pull it up. So uh, with God's Bane, I wanted to try to think of something that could have sort of a, uh, a dual meaning. So Bane is you. You know, something that hurts something you know like you know like uh um like wolfsbane is like the antidote to you know like or whatever and so i was trying to think of like a bane of something mm -hmm. amont is like the bane of all the other gods that exist and then aros is sort of everyone else's bane nobody likes him <laughs> no one likes him and so i thought that would be kind of oh you okay yeah i'm good i thought that would be kind of interesting to sort of have sort of like a kind of like a silly dual meeting there mm -hmm. where the antithesis is like supposedly like gods against gods or someone against gods trying to destroy everything and then the, the japanese name for this um was the was supposed to be the original name um and because i do plan on submitting this to jump rookie eventually which is unfortunately japanese only jump does um to hopefully get um picked up in manga plus i'd love to do that someday but the Japanese name is Tatarigami, and in uh, Tatarigami is sort of like a like a god of like almost like an apocalyptic, destructive god spirit that's just angry and resentful. Okay. And that was the initial name that I wanted. Um, they go a little bit further than that, but that's just to explain it really simply. And so Tatarigami was initially going to be the name. But I wasn't sure if that would come across very well, and there's no easy English translation to that, mm -hmm. so that's kind of how the I Japanese kind of got translation to... sounds so much cooler too. Yeah, so that's kind of how it's God's is from looking at the original Japanese name that I wanted and the thing that I wanted of like what Amon is. He's like the destruction of everything. Well, it almost looks so. like uh, our protagonist is, is almost looking just like Amon here. Mm -hmm. Yep. So that's actually. That's actually his Miyake. So, um, because like I said, ours, you know, everyone knows Aros is Miyake at this point, but that's his Miyake. His name is Mao. Um, and Miyake and the humans that they that they live with at the side um, are different. So they they have their own unique personalities and, and quirks. But they tend Miyake tend to be the worst qualities of whoever their host is amplified. Okay. <laughs> So, so yeah, they're 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 fun. Mal is pretty pretty fun. I'm sure you you read ahead a little bit, so you can see he's a little impulsive. <laughs> so we start off right right off the rip uh, with with a funeral. I thought that was a really interesting yeah. way to start things. I also like how you have uh, the the sound effects the way it's done traditionally in, in manga, but you also had the English translation underneath, it, and I thought that was a nice little way to do it. Thank you. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't sure if I wanted to do the English or Japanese one. I figured one, this would be a really great way for me to learn to learn that as well, um, you know, to, to kind of educate myself while I'm studying Japanese right now. But also, I wanted to have that authentic for me the authentic feel when I grew up. I was reading either Japanese manga or reading all English manga, mm -hmm. and so for me, and like nowadays, a lot of publishers will do both. Like right, like for example, I have um, Yashihime right here. So for me, like when I read manga now, I'm reading it in Japanese, and so for me, that's what feels most comfortable. Um, and I've had I've had some people say that they don't like that, that that's kind of like whiplash to see it in two different languages. Um, but I'm doing this for me, and that's what I would like to see. And, yeah, uh, that's why I didn't put in the English translations. That way, you know, people still know what it says. You know. 
So but, when you uh, did chapter one, you know, why start with the funeral right off the rip? Uh, initially, it didn't actually. Initially, it started with a preview to the future. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, I figured that that would be kind of too much future jumping back to the past and jumping to the present. I felt like that would be too much. And so I cut mm -hmm. it just to the funeral. But the reason I'm starting here is I wanted to give the sort of basis for why Aros does what he does. Um, sort of the emotions that he's feeling, how he's starting to process this. Um, my family's military and um, uh, I've been to my share of funerals and I've seen um, a lot of negativity, negative things in my life, um, you know, growing up. That was a um, really heavy theme for me. And so just the idea um, of the funerals was unfortunately something I dealt with a lot when I was younger. Um, so that was thing that I, I wanted to really get across to people how Aros is feeling, what his mindset is, how other people might be feeling, to really hopefully emotionally connect with people as to why he makes the deal that mm -hmm. he does in future pages. So he, uh, the the way it was expressed, and I don't know if maybe this was just manipulation when it was being said, but he has feelings for her, but she never uh, shown those feelings back is, is the feeling I got. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah, it, that is true. So healers are not supposed to have relationships. They're not supposed to have families. Mm -hmm. um, they could cloud their judgment if they if they have to make an important life or death decision. So in this world, they're actually not allowed to have relationships. It was so the the question kind of remains: Did Fale reject Aros because she doesn't love him, or did she reject it because it's her job? I, I don't. Gotcha. I know. I know. But I don't want. I don't want that to become. Um, well known yet because I think I think Fale doesn't quite know herself. Um, mm -hmm. She's trying to decide like she, she's very matter of fact. She's very straightforward. She's very hey, this is what I do. Um, so, but Aros is Aros thinks that she hates him, yeah. <laughs> but he, I don't care. I love her anyway. Um, but he also knows that her her level of magic was very high. Mm -hmm. um, she was a very good healer. She was very good at making medicine, growing plants, botanicals. So while he, while his feelings for her do impact why he decided to bring her back, he believes that she is the key to finally sealing her um, so that he's no longer a threat. Um, so so he does have some clouded judgment, but I feel like his intentions still are genuine despite that. And uh, so right here, we see a nice little uh, page on Auk and, and kind of a little breakdown of him. And like like I said, right here is I loved how uh, you uh, went this way with uh, the mouth, how it's like a, a snake tongue coming out. That was a last minute decision. A completely different panel there. And my copy editor was like, it would be really cool if you could like see the inside of his mouth. I was struggling a lot with the with the with the tongue and I was mm -hmm. like, man, like this also just looks so boring. And that's when I completely decided to redesign Aug. I gave him a second tail and I changed the mouth design. So that was a literally a last minute change. Um, but it obviously, you know, it's gone over really well. Mm -hmm. So no, I, re I really like it. I thought it was a really like I don't even know how to explain it, like menacing look. I, I know I said uh, gruesome earlier, but menacing I think is more appropriate. Mm -hmm. So now we see <laughs> we, we we see uh, the infamous uh, meeting uh, between the two, and uh, he yeah he gave me um, you said Hades, and he kind of gave me that uh, the, like the devil vibe to it, you know, like making yes. a deal with the devil. That's kind of like what this this kind of gave me. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely sort of what's going on here. Uh, Amat leads, you know, the god the gods of the dead. Um, in this world, they're called the Umkarishu, but uh, he leads all of the gods of the dead. There's uh, three gods. Um, and there's sort of like a, a guard of the dead. You've got um, so he he leads that group. 
Um, he hates the people he has to work with. Well, they're not the people, the gods he has Sounds to work like with. <laughs> he hates everyone. Um, but he has to he has to work with them. Um, so he sort of oversees the whole like you know you know the whole transition of humans going from death to trial and then you no know, trial to reincarnation. That whole process he sort of oversees all of it. Um, but he's very he's very sly. He's very sneaky. Um, he's very much like I'm gonna try to get you know the best out of everyone. Like making a deal with them. He's definitely going to come out on top and so mm -hmm. you have to be very very careful when making a deal with him because he will try to take advantage of you and he he's the type of person where he would really evil stereotypical like this like the mean stereotype of a lawyer like he words everything very carefully okay i got gotcha. you like, that's the kind of guy he is and uh, for anyone watching, we are doing what's called a, uh, I think it's called double spread. Uh, this is where you're looking at two pages at once. So that to give you an idea of, if you're not used to that, um, these are individual pages. So for example, we're looking at pages eight through nine right here. So I, I really like this too. And when I was going through your script, it kind of looked like it was a little bit because you sent me the scripts and you sent me this and it looked like this part was a little bit different, like the, the verbiage when they were drinking the tea. Mm hmm yeah i did i did change a little bit of that um i was trying to like smoothen out the words and because again words matter and this yeah. part here is really important where aros and amon are talking about like their contract actually is and so i wanted to be sure that the the, the verbiage works really really well so we have dustin wilson's uh wilson excuse me over on youtube stopping in to say congrats crumbs Dustin. Dustin, I've known Dustin for a long time. Back, like, even, oh gosh, like 2012, 2013. So, Dustin's been a long term fan of mine. That's so, so, thank awesome. you so much. I appreciate it. We also have Miso right here. This is my editor, Miso. <laughs> She's uh, very excited <laughs> to be here. I, I, thought, I was like looking at the chat. I was like, there's no way I miss someone. Who is it? <laughs> well, we She's hope very, Miso's um, feeling better. Oh yeah! Oh, she's doing least better. She's she's actually too a little too hyper sometimes. <laughs> so this was a really interesting uh, scene of events that happened here. I really love this too. You kind of did like the chibi design right here. Is that like more <laughs> like something like that's done traditionally really with really manga? Is. Like, what's this technique called? Uh, so uh, yeah, that that is you know that is called chibi. But what what's interesting about manga? So I'm really actually really glad you brought this up. One of the things that separates comics from manga is the way they handle what's called visual grammar. So visual grammar is um, think of it as like um, a, like context. So mm -hmm. for example, you have things like you know like the anger cross or the sweat drop, um, or even the type of fonts that's used. Um, any sort of like cute little art that's hanging around that is um, that gives context situation and helps with the emotional context or maybe any underlying context that's not clear so this moment here is really tense like we just had a funeral Aros is being serious he's having to meet this this evil god that's probably going to take advantage of him i wanted to just lighten the mood for a minute um and so Aros is like hey i'm gonna you know offer you my soul and i'm gonna be really serious about it and then amon just thinks he's a fucking joke and just laughs at him <laughs> no. and i was like I was like, I can't, like, I can't, like, draw Aros looking serious in this. And so, like, I need needed to, I feel like I had to lighten the load just, just a mm. little bit. Um, and so I was like, this would be the perfect example of just Aros to be like, what do you mean not what I'm worth? Like, what? That's, what do you mean? 
buy that. Like, so I was like, yeah, I'm going to lighten the load a bit. And then, like, we've got this built up of, you know, uh, Amal talking about why he can't do it, mm-hmm. why it's not worth it for him, um, as far as, like, the amount of work it entails, or why Amat can't do it. Like, he can, but, like, if he had the soul, he could revive her. But there are just too many loops that he'd have to go through, or mm-hmm. hoops he'd have to go through to actually, like, make it worth his while. And so during this, Arlos is getting upset. He's getting frustrated. He's like, <sighs> he's getting angry because he's like, I need to have her back. Like he's he's just that desperate. So. Yeah, and I love how even right here he's like, good. He's emotional and he'll be desperate. Yeah, yeah. He's gonna take advantage of him of him pretty soon too. So right here mm-hmm. we see that he wants him to start working for him. What? So what is this? Is this something that is an actual thing? Uh, I, I I'm gonna have trouble even trying to pronounce it. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> a little his his little necklace there. So um the so that is the the sorry, I don't have like a specific word for it, but that's sort of like the lead eye. So one of the themes here is is eyes and being able to see everything. Um Miyape, the gods of the dead themselves, and the gods of the dead themselves, all the different gods, they all have a sort of mental link that they can all communicate with. Um, they can talk to each other that way. You'll get to see that later on in the pages that I'll be posting next week. You will, you'll actually get to see a, um, an, an instance of that. And then um, Amat likes to... He has these little eye spirits that kind of move all over the island. Um, they appear initially as little harmless orbs of light, kind of minding their own business. And by the time you find out what they are, it's too late. Uh, Amat likes to spy on different people different spirits or whatever um he likes to spy on things he mm-hmm. likes and he loves being a control freak and so he has these little eyes that kind of go and float out everywhere um and that's the sort of lead eye, the master eye if the only way to destroy all of those smaller eye spirits is to destroy that one so did you create that on your own or did you is that based off of anything no I just thought that would be something really kind of cool um, to that have. I so really so intricate. I love it. I love it. That is so awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually got the the floating idea from um, Yu Yu Hakusho when I was reading it. Um, and <laughs> one of the, the earlier scenes where you've got the the four the four wargas, um, Yusuke, Kuara, Kurama, and Hiei are having to go fight. There's like this, like this little annoying mm-hmm. as frick spirit that's pissing everyone off and. I was like, wow, like floating eye would be like a really cool idea. And so I was trying to think of how I could incorporate that. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna put it on his pendant. And if you notice, Zai has a very similar one. Um, so she's occasionally able to, to, to hack into that um, okay. using her. But so so there's a whole, like I said, there's a whole bunch of lore and everything that's connected, but that, that's what that is. Um, and then as far as this, this bird form that you're seeing here, so Amat has two forms. Yeah, the Miyape form, which is the sort of like winged human version, and we have beast form that he appears in the majority of the time. Majority of the time, you'll see that version. Just easier to travel in, but also he's not allowed to use the Miyape form because he took away humans' immortality. That was one of his punishments. Mm. The only time the Miyape form is that he's appearing in a dream, a vision, or in his own shrines. Okay, that's the only time allowed to use that form so i i like how you do that too so he's not too like op like you kind of give him a little bit of a weakness so that way he's not just like totally wrecking face (laughs) um i really like this too so this was a uh a couple year skip a six year uh uh skip and we kind of get a little bit more of a look at uh coco um so who's this uh who's who's this other bird uh with coco so that's 
that's Sayo. That's um, sort of his advisor, his friend, who's sort of just like, hey, I think that's a really bad decision that you're making. You probably shouldn't do it. He's very worrisome. He's very on edge. He's very, very timid. Um, he's very anxious. So uh, he's just a very, very scared out bird and you'll learn more about him um, in future pages. But he's based off like a like a purple heron. Um, but he's he's just very nervous all the time. He's, he's, he freaks out a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so throughout these pages, you know, Coco, Coco learned that Ox body was discovered. And so Coco's like, oh, well, I want to be able to do stuff to Ox later. So I grab the soul so that I can punish him. Um, and so Coco runs off to go get get go get the soul but by the time that he gets there there's already somebody there <laughs> so uh, it's been long enough that um that it's just a bunch of bones um and of course you know someone possibly named aros has to interfere with everything because that's what he does <laughs> so uh, in that six years like what has aros been up to like uh because he seems a little bit more menacing this time around hold on i'm trying to like oh, no you're good there we go so yeah, he, he's, you know, he's a little bit grown up. He looks a little bit more evil, you know. You, there it probably isn't another release now, so I searched everything. So oh no no yeah, I was clicking on a uh, previous release without realizing I need to click on the picture. No, that, you're that, good. That, that was on me. Um, but yeah, he kind of right. you know a little bit more grown up and everything. Yeah, he he's been through some things. Um, he's already been um gathering souls. I mean, he went from the sort of like when he was younger, you know, six years previously, he was really optimistic he loves people he likes helping people um and now he's kind of he spent six years living this sort of double life mm-hmm. um that's that's for one very time consuming so that's very stressful on him but he also has a student to worry about and there's a uh, part of Aros's Aros's past um kind of is coming into play as well he had wanted to be a healer since he was a, a little kid but his family was not supportive of that decision um and so he he wanted to be a healer all this time and now he's not doing what he originally wanted to do and his decision does end up weighing on him and as we go through the story the sort of see Aros um mentally questioning his his decisions mm-hmm. um, um like why did i do this this is a bad thing but he's also kind of gotten to the point where he's 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 angry that you know life isn't going the way that that he wanted it to um he's He's dready and he knows the end is near and he's just kind of become jaded over the course of this time. I um, like this uh, line too. I'm like you, I'm a real healer. Uh, so is Co- <laughs> like is uh, Coco like not like as good as a healer as him or? Um, so Coco never actually went through the final trial. So okay. to become a healer, you have, you know, a certain amount of years of study and then you have to go through a final trial. And essentially <laughs> this trial, which is again, part of the original lore um, is you um, you go to a God, you drink um, their blood and you die. And your soul is transported to a certain location. You have three days to make it to another location and the, the entire time Ben, which is another Miyape, is chasing you and trying oh, to wow. capture you. Uh, and Coco, because Coco, um, or Fale died before Coco could finish his training process, he never got to the final exam. Um, and Aros denied Coco as a student because Aros and Coco kind of have a long resent- resentment history. Um, and then all of the other healers of the island also would not accept Coco. Um, as their student to finish his education. So why play so, uh, Coco oh, as a bird? Uh, if you don't mind me asking. That's what he originally was. <laughs> he was originally a bird. Uh, he was one of the 
Angel, two characters that I created back in 2000, back in the early, uh, back when I was studying animation. Um, but as far as why a bird, I I don't know. I, I just kind of started with him as that character. And mm -hmm. initially, Coco and Aqua were the main characters. Um, Aros was more a secondary character, sort of like a like a sport character to, to unlock the antagonist. Um, but when I was going through the rewrite, my readers just fall, fell in love with Aros. And they're like, wow, it would be really cool to see like a second story with it from his perspective. And I was like, what if it was the main story from his perspective? <laughs> <laughs> well, and so, they, yeah, they, they loved that. Um, but with Coco, he goes through his own challenges. He kind of had this like this dream, this ambition. And now he he can't have what he wants. He struggles a lot more because he's smaller. He doesn't have arms. He's he's like the size of like a, like a soccer ball. So he's he's not very big. So is he wearing <laughs> um, like obviously. a helmet, or is that kind of is that like his actual face? <laughs> That's part of his insecurities. So he um, he is very adorable, and he hates being reminded of that fact. Um, <laughs> yeah, he looks pretty brutal with the with the mask on. <laughs> Right, and so he wears that as part of like a take me seriously factor. Like, don't mm -hmm. talk. Like, if you tell him he's cute, he gets really mad. <laughs> he's That's like, so take awesome. me seriously. You think you're <laughs> mocking him. So it's that's sort of an, an inferiority complex that, that Coco deals with. And so that's part of his personal character where he wants to wear that so that he can, you know, feel a little more um, intimidating mm -hmm. <laughs> and not be so horrible. <laughs> So I thought it was really interesting too to have Ox Soul, uh, like ha have arrows have Ox Soul like that. Was that actually Ox Soul, or is that is that yes. yet to be determined? Yeah, Ox Soul is in the vial. Um, so essentially, what what Co I, I don't want to spell too much about what Coco is going to do with it. Um, essentially, Ox Soul is needed as part of the plans that Coco has. And Aros, Aros was the one who who found Coco, uh, Ox Body in the first place. Um, and so he he was able to notify Coco, say, "Hey, like I know what I know where you know what you're looking for. I know mm -hmm. where it is. You can probably go there." And so Aros sort of set up you know the meeting with them intentionally. Okay. Um, and he wanted he wanted to be able to make a deal with Coco to be able to require a favor later. So Arvos is manipulating the situation here. He he knew Coco really wanted this, and so mm -hmm. he did this on purpose. Um, and then later, um, <laughs> uh, Sayo is like, like, why did you trust him? Why did you take it without knowing what the favor was? Coco didn't even wait to hear what the favor was. Um, and, you know, Coco was like, uh, I don't trust him. I know he's up to something, but I don't care. Like, I really want this revenge. Like, I'm mm -hmm. going to make off pay. And so that's just that's just part of Coco's personality. Like, he knows what he wants. And he like, that's his end goal. And, and Coco kind of knows... What he's about to do is illegal. He's going to have to break the law to do what he wants. And, I love the uh, advisor and, right here. This eyebrow, just like every everything you need to know is in this look right now. This look of disapproval. Yeah, that that was probably one of my favorite panels I've had to draw so far because Sayo is, is he is very anxious, very all the time. He is he is judgmental, but he but he's coming from a place of compassion because Sayo was Fale's advisor. Um, and so now he's having to try to guide Coco, and mm -hmm. Coco is just a loose cannon. He just does whatever he wants. He's got no real like uh, respect for the rules. He's like Barbosa. He sees them as guidelines, <laughs> and so he just kind of skirts around the rules, does what he wants. Mm -hmm. And now that he has the opportunity to get like the revenge that he wants, he's like, screw the rules. Um, <laughs> he, he he's like, I buy screw the rules. I have money. I can do what I want. Yeah. Um, makes him go with screw the rules. I'm desperate. <laughs> So, and then that's what we're left off with is, uh, mm -hmm. that's, that's it. So 
real quick we're gonna put this link in the chat for anyone that's interested read this uh and and leave a like any sort of like help with the algorithm leaving likes leaving mm -hmm. comments um that helps now, let yes, me go ahead and exit would, out of this i'd be real appreciated quick. i i love feedback i love comments of you know if you guys see anything hey like hey you know maybe you should try this or maybe you should try that i love and that's why i think also why i love mysteries is i love the, the speculation that kind of mm -hmm. comes into it from the readers seeing what they think is going to happen um that's why i was like okay i'll i'll give a, i'll give a few bones to all the, to all the readers today um or you know all the viewers today but but yeah like you know i just i i love hearing from people um you know i love seeing what i, think. I love i love watching those speculate my beta readers are speculating on everything right now mm -hmm. um and i have a few people that know like you know like my copy editor my editor like they know everything and it was really cool when i when i initially sent i sent just the first chapter to my copy editor and i'm like, hey, like what do you think and like you know a little bit later she's like can i have the rest <laughs> i'm like yes well, that's insane. Uh, spoiler uh sayo did it spoiler <laughs> sayo i don't think i don't think sayo is uh is able to stomach that um there's like there's a couple brutal scenes like the manga i'm not gonna lie like it 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 would i would classify it more as seinen than than shonen as far as like some of the brutality and the the mental um you know messing around that happens there's a there's a very heavy like mental themes as far as like messing with the mind who are you what are you what are you willing to do to get what you want and that's kind of the theme for this for this manga is like how far would you go to get what you want and then also the theme of what's the right thing to do versus what's the best thing to do um Hokue and aros kind of have different views on it like the best thing is the, is the right thing to do and with aros it's no it's the right thing that's the right thing to do mm -hmm. Um, so they kind of have like their own conflicting views there but it, it it does kind of get very mental especially once um coco kind of has his uh mental breakdown same thing with aros he has his mental breakdown <laughs> it doesn't it's not very pretty and then <laughs> his own journey um that's kind of why i was happy to bring up the trial part is we'll get to see hopefully go through all of that process go through dealing with aros you know kind of he's sort of the lens that the reader has looking objectively through what aros has done all the different mm -hmm. things that he's done um, and what Aro should be, Hokuai is what Aro should be. Um, so he's sort of like the foil character for Aro. Okay. <laughs> so with uh, with us going over chapter one, what's next? I mean, how many chapters overall are you planning? Uh, what's your mm -hmm. upload schedule looking like? You know, what uh, can readers and listeners expect? All right, yeah. Uh, so as, at the moment, I'm looking at about 44 chapters. So it would be equivalent of about four or five volumes probably closer to five volumes um so that's that's what i'm planning at the moment um the ending um i did just we're going i'm going over that now with my copy editor so the ending um i have i know the ending that i want i'm just not sure how to like tie up some of the loose ends there um but i'm looking at about about 44 pages or about maybe about 900 or sorry 44 chapters about 900 pages okay and i'll be updating uh, every friday um, as far as the number of pages I'll be updating, because I do have a full-time job and I also do freelance work, um, I'm looking at probably two to four pages every single week um, on Fridays as, mu as much as I can. Um, I do have a buffer, so I don't need to worry about like missing weeks or anything. Um, but yeah, definitely updating on Fridays. As far as the time of day, usually in the middle of the day, because um, that's my lunch period <laughs> that I can devote to getting, yeah, all, yeah. getting all the work up to everybody. No, that is awesome. Art Crumb, I appreciate you coming here, breaking down God's Bane. This was such an awesome chat. Uh, and uh, this is awesome, too. So three to four pages every week, uh, you have the buffer. How important mm -hmm. is that buffer for you? 
very important very important so um i had a whole bunch of nda work that that i had done um for for team of comics uh over the last couple weeks i was helping them with their amputation capital series and that um for the most part i was able to get it done during during my work hours uh but I have more India projects that I'm working on. And so being able to have, cause I, you know, I got student loans, like I gotta pay the bills, man. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, having that buffer period was really important to me. And that's why it took me from January to July to get ready is I needed to be able to have these pages made in advance. Cause I know I'm going to lose NDA time or I'm going to lose time due to NDA work that I'm working on. Um, mm -hmm. I can't even tell you who it's for. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's but, so cool um, though. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm just super stoked for it. Like I said, I've, I've been working on this story off and on for about 12 years. I've had about six or seven relaunches, just testing it out. Like it was initially a four and a half minute animation and then it became a thesis <laughs> comic. Like it was, it was my senior thesis at, at Ringling. Like I knew when I got to Ringling that uh, I wanted this to be my, That's my so thesis. That's so awesome. Project. So is this like going to be something... Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Right. No, that's fine. Um, like I, I just like snuck it into like all of my like my college projects, and then it was my senior thesis, and then I tried to make it a um, a webtoon, and then I tried to make it like a regular comic, and you know I've I've tried so many different different versions of it. it I'm just so excited to just finally like get down and like commit to it. So. So is this gonna be like the only thing you're working on in the foreseeable future? Or are you gonna have any side projects that you might be tied to? So I so I do have other than so I do have the NDA, NDA work that are for other that are for other um, other companies that I'll be working on, um, and then the other side project I'm going to be working on is since I am in, I do have some animation background I am working on an opening uh, an ending theme for the series as if it were an anime. That's awesome. Um, I yeah, I am working on that's going to take me a really long time to work on. Um, and then I also am working on the lore. So my plan is, is if this goes really well, all of the creation myths, sort of the background for some of the characters like Zai and Rin, mm -hmm. um, you know, redoing Onami to do it justice because I had 16 days to do 37 pages for Onami. So I didn't oh, really God, do it Oh, God, that sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be my next steps will be creating an anthology series of all these smaller creation myths and shorter shorter stories to come after God's Bane is finished and God's Bane is completed um, so that way I can give more background more context to mm -hmm. everything and that'll be even longer than God's Bane is um, but it'll be it'll be more of an anthology just because there's 14 or 15 short stories Mm -hmm. And so since God's Bane, I've kind of changed some of the facts, some of the characters. I'm having to go back and, and edit some mythology, but it's everything from the creation myths to some of the character backstories. It'll be sort of, I don't want to say it's the Cimmerillion of God's Bane, but you, you know what I'm talking about, yeah, where it's like yeah. the backstory, the lore, like that's what that's going to be. And so between between that and the animation and my freelance projects, there is, there is a lot going on. <laughs> I'm hoping to start doing conventions again. Um, the first volume I'm hoping will be done either early, early next year or end of this year with my schedule, probably early next year. And depending on how well it does, I'll be looking at doing a print run. So, so. when you go to cons, like, uh, what, what do you do if you don't have a physical product? I'm not going to cons right now. Oh, <laughs> because so I don't you're, have you're waiting to go to cons until you have a physical product? <laughs> okay. I, yeah. I, I used to go to conventions. I had prints. Um, you know, I did a you know I did a lot of fan art, just like a lot of other artists that go to cons do. Um, but with everything that's happened in the last couple of years, I've I've not really had a lot of time to to, to devote to mm -hmm. um, 
creating more content um and i sold everything that i had you know once COVID hit and then that was it so i didn't have anything else i didn't have any more artwork or merch and i was too busy with all the different jobs i was doing at the time you know trying to trying to pay off that interest while there was <laughs> while the while the while, while, while COVID shut all the student loan payments down i was still making payments knocking out that interest um, so I really took the opportunity to try to help my financial situation versus focusing on creating content. And I, cause mm -hmm. I still had to work. I was still going to work. I, I didn't stay home. Um, so I was oh, yeah. like uh, COVID. Like I remember when COVID hit, I was a phone salesman at the, at the point and, uh, mm -hmm. my job made it to where they only worked me 20 hours a week. So that way I was right under getting the unemployment from them, but I worked <gasps> just enough to where like, I didn't mm -hmm. quit. Um, and mm -hmm. it was it was horrible because that in turn uh, mm -hmm. like I wasn't able to apply for any assistance so it was like mm -hmm. I was like every month like my landlord's like hey I'm gonna evict you if you don't get this paid I'm like bro I am trying like tell me where I can get a yeah. job at yeah. where I lived we actually never shut down um so and the job that I did I had a uh, $30,000 machine I had to work on two of them um, I were I was a direct UV printer, and so I had to manage um, these 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 really large printers, and so I couldn't work from home. And since where where I lived up in South Dakota, we we never shut down there. Mm -hmm. So um, I it was bizarre, like <laughs> working as normal as if nothing was going on, and then oh, yeah. seeing well, the uh, so being phones uh that was their loophole uh everyone needs a phone it, you can't you know it's an emergency you can't so we would sit there and no one would come in i'd be lucky to see one it'd be tumbleweeds and it's like dude like oh my god yeah we we had a lot of business slow um because it was like factory-based custom work mm -hmm. and so because no one had money our orders slowed down a lot but like we still had to go in we still had to be there and you know the company i was working for we also had like laser cutting and so we did a lot of like the, the like the plastic face shields and stuff we ended up doing a lot of that so i ended up doing a lot of like laser cutting during oh, that time yeah so they probably just oh okay i gotcha so yeah, let's so go ahead and start, some... uh... oh go ahead i'm sorry go ahead. no no go ahead. I'm, I'm just i'm just Reminiscing. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just, you know, enough reminiscing about horrible times, horrible COVID <laughs> years. Um, it's uh, let, let's begin looking towards the future. And I think with that being said, it is perfect time for us to wrap things up. As always, mm -hmm. though, as much as this is a podcast about promoting you and your book, it is a nice learning tool for anyone that might just be starting themselves. You know, a lot of new creators watch this show. And, you know, with that being said, I always love asking questions for creators. Uh, that aims to help them. So for anyone out mm -hmm. there that's struggling just getting started with their own story, uh, whether it's the art or the, the scripting or anything, mm -hmm. you know, what type of advice would you offer them just to get going with it? Um, I, th I think the biggest thing is to write out your your four points. What like or at least well, let's make it even simpler. Start with the beginning and the end. What ending do you want? Like, what is the story you're trying to tell? What is the theme you're trying to tell? What is the question you're trying to answer? If you don't know what that is, or if you're, for me, I don't I don't base my story on my characters themselves. I base it on what do I want them to experience? What do I want the reader to get out of this at at the end of it? What emotions are am I wanting to feel? Um, when I sort of started writing the story, I as far as like the actual like what i want to happen on each page um i had to keep that in mind like what is you know each character like what is the overall arching mm -hmm. goal and then like 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 where like what do i want people to get out of it i think there's a lot of uh, the reason why i like manga a lot more is i feel like there's a lot of emotional context um versus like 
Kishoten Kets focuses on the who of the story. It focuses on the will of the characters and not just the fate, the what happens. I feel like a lot of Western storytelling is very what happens. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of deep emotional connection to things. So you want to be sure that you want to depict will. You want to depict what the character wants, even if fate exists. Um, like, 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 you know, like what is going to happen to the characters because you're the writer. But I want to be able to connect to the characters emotionally. I want to be able to feel what they feel. And I don't want you to just tell me what they feel. I want you to show me how mm -hmm. they're feeling. You want to feel and, it. Right. And so you really want to be clear on what your message is. Because if, if, if you just write about some really cool like explosions or like stuff that happens, like that's cool and all, but like, what's the point of it? Like just to mm -hmm. show what happens. I want that. The other thing is, <laughs> Start with smaller stories first. Um, doing a, 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 one of the biggest problems that I see is a lot of creators, they, the young creators, they start with this big one piece style epic that they would love to do. They have this really big story, this really big massive story they want to do. Don't do that first. <laughs> start with smaller stories, smaller content, like 25 pages or less. Start small. If you can write a small story, you can write a big story, but start ASAP. Start drawing, if you want to draw your pages, start drawing pages now. I don't care if you think that you're bad at art. Start them now because you have to learn about paneling, you have to learn about pacing, you have to learn about framing, you have to learn about composition. You have to develop the raw drawing skills. Like start now with yeah. smaller stories and then on the side, keep writing the stories that you want to write. Keep planning those and really like don't be afraid to take the time. Like I, I read recently that it on average it takes eight years for Mangakala to finally like become successful. It takes them eight years to like get to that point. I'm technically for manga, I'm only at year four. Mm -hmm. I'm only halfway there. So I'm uh, I'm I'm still a baby <laughs> in the manga <laughs> world. I'm, I'm still I'm still an under baby. And so if you're if you're expecting to like write a manga and be done and be happy and be successful, like your first manga is probably gonna suck. Yeah. And so you wanna you wanna get that awkward stage out, the awkward paneling like the awkward storytelling, the awkward dialogue. You want to get that out as soon as possible and just get it done. And here's the other thing. You don't have to show it to anyone. If like your first few, if you aren't proud of it, if you aren't happy with it, that's okay. You don't have to like move on to the next one and move mm -hmm. on to the next one, move on to the next one. Like don't let your fear, I'm not a good drawer, stop you from making pages. Cause the sooner you start, the sooner you'll get the bad, the bad pages out of your system. No, that oh, is some like awesome advice. I, I really appreciate that, Art. Thank you so much. This has been such a great talk. I'm so happy that we had the chance to break this down, too. This is this is great. So uh, when do you think uh, Chapter 2 is going to be up in its entirety? I know you said you're going to be dropping about three to four pages, but like an idea when you can get uh, Chapter 2 in its entirety. So Chapter 1 is a longer chapter. Most manga chapters are longer. The first initial chapter. So Chapter 1 will be done approximately the beginning of uh, be uh, about mid-August is when mm -hmm. Chapter 2 or chapter two will start. Um, and since I'm doing about four pages on average for, let's see, about 24 pages, it'd be six weeks. So for sure, probably uh, sometime in October, chapter two will okay. be finished um, and a, uploaded and completed. We have a May Apple magazine stopping and say solid gold advice. Yeah, absolutely. I think that <laughs> advice was, was fantastic <laughs> as well. So with that being said, guys, it is time for us to wrap things up. I hope everyone is having a beautiful Saturday night. Art Crumbs, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come here, break down God's Bane, and just give us a lot more information about manga. I had no idea. You know, I've read it, but, you know, you gave me a lot of help with, like, terminology, the structuring. So anytime I can learn from a podcast, I always appreciate that. 
Mm -hmm. That's what I try to do. That, that's why I'm on the community team with Global Comics. I love educating people, I love helping people. It's what I do. You know, I do it in my own streams a lot too. You know, I get people coming and asking for questions and I just want to help people, you know. So, but no, thank you. Thank you for having me and inviting me. I know it's, we've been waiting a while to be able to do this. So I'm really excited it was able to get done and, you know, having to reschedule from earlier this week. So oh, you you've know, been, that happens. That happens. asking good questions. It's, it's been super fun. So thank and you then, very much. Uh, so, and chapter two, when you get that complete, love to get you back on, maybe do mm -hmm. another deep dive look at it as well and kind of see where you're at with things uh, around that time too yeah for sure i'll definitely keep you updated on the situation all right well everyone watching once again have an awesome saturday night but most importantly guys keep it geekly